Bring me back, Geordie. Yeah. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Geordie. G'day, g'day. G'day, g'day. And how you going? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Started singing already because <laughs> I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood for music, Michelle. Well, funny you should mention that, Geordie, because that's exactly <laughs> what we're talking about today. We've been very lighthearted the last few weeks, haven't we, after all the heavy nonsense we've been chatting about? Well, we've needed it because what have we been talking about? Murder. Murders. Sexual abuse. Sexual abuse. Woody um, Allen. Yeah. Oh, I mean, ba- all the fun topics. Baby being snatched. I know. I know. Now, what is wrong with us? I don't know. We just like the dark side. And sometimes it's hard to make light of the dark side all the time. So I think that's why we're just letting loose. Last week's episode was a fun potluck party, though, wasn't it? I think it sounded like we were both hitting the juice pretty hard. <laughs> we both sounded like a pair of nutters. Oh, what's new? Um, I have to say, though, maybe a small apology mm-hmm. to anybody who has seen your latest TikTok oh. with eavesdropping. Lordy. I don't even You were drunk writing that. I, I was wearing the – I was wearing – listen, I've got eyesight issues and, you know, I was, I was juggling motherhood with social media – Queen action and drinking, yeah. Two I wasn't beers drinking. In your hands. They were both empty. I found those out in my. That's in my husband's oh. um, open shed area. That's where he keeps all these bits and bobs. You were telling me it was fake with brown lemonade. It was fake brown lemonade. No, Soz. Shells getting cut. Johnny had a tear. Ben Mendes loves brown lemonade. To you, that's a cold beer. We haven't talked about Ben Mendelsohn for a while. I just want to say his name, Ben Mendelsohn. He's an actor. He's Australian. He's one of the most underrated actors of all time. We've only just really come to know and love him since we started this podcast because we thought because you thought his career was over just because you haven't seen him in anything for a long time. I thought his toy, his career was basically in the same place you were when you put your marigolds on for that last video. Oh, the toilet. Down the toot. Yeah. The toot. toot. The tooty. Do, do, do you call I'm it I'm on toot? the toot. No, I haven't heard that um, expression for a very long time. That's something that, something that my, my aunt used to call it. Oh, she's on the toot, love. I know. It's very Australian. Yeah, toot. Where does that come but, from? Tamira got in touch. Oh, I saw that. How is she? She's great as always. Lovely Tamira. She was our guest on our Instagram live recently. She's often mentioned. She's our friend. She's also a numerologist and a modern mystic. And she's got uh, Tamira.com is her website if you want to go and check out what she talks about. Um, She came up with some great ideas for a future episode. So I'm going to just announce that we now have a new researcher because where the hell is Al Teggett? Where are you, Al? He's lost in space. That's where Al And is. Hannah Huggis, I haven't heard oh. any great stories yet. I, I, I reached out and she said, I don't have anything for you. So that was it. <laughs> Thanks. What if my life depended on it, Hannah? <laughs> that Honestly, I mean, they were already on a zero pay scale, but that's even, well, that's minus zero right now. <laughs> we'll take that into consideration in future that they didn't show up to work a couple of times. But now oh, we've got dear. Tamira. She's going to be, um, she's hunkered down already. She's flung me about four or five articles for us to look at regarding a certain topic that we can discuss after this show because we want to keep it a surprise, listeners. 
I know we've got some we've got some juicy Lucy's coming up, haven't we? Absolutely. What the hell is yeah. that? Juicy a juicy Lucy. Lucy. Goodness a me. Juicy Lucy. We've got some juicy apps. So what are we talking some about? Juicy content. Well, what, what about today's one though, Michelle? What What's the idea behind today's music episode? It's just music. I, honestly, I have no theme, no structure for this. More oh. than a couple of bits. Okay. <laughs> What about you? Don't give me that voice. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, we your did, poor children. We did. You were very keen to talk about um, music because uh, we're both musicians or ex-musicians. Well, look, that's since the thing. All your instruments went up in flames. Look, we we both have a, a history of of music, as you can tell. Shorty's a singer from all of our <laughs> yes, and all of our beautiful um, ditties. Ditties. Um, no, but we both have you know a past that has where music has been really important Michelle to us. was massively massive in Japan of all things a bit in a big pop band that was famous in Japan she was treated like rock royalty pop royalty let's call it yeah we were pop royalty and i was i wouldn't say we were big in Japan we were we were medium we were medium on the edge of big but we never we never quite broke through but you know oh. what we had the best tours. I mean, I absolutely love Japan because of that. We we toured there between two and three times a year in you know in normal times. Obviously, yeah. I haven't been in that band for quite a some time now. Time but ago. yeah, but when we were, we were touring a lot, and you know, we we toured all over the world. Yeah, it was no, such a bad. wonderful experience. Yeah, I would wouldn't trade it. For the anything. only girl as well. I mean, I didn't have that experience because I always had at least one other girl in bands with me. Mm, no, I was always the girl, and obviously, you know, I had. I had my bands in Australia and then the band in the UK and yeah, I have, have sort of let it go recently, which which is a little bit hard for the soul because I do yeah. miss it. It's hard to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. It That's is. why we're doing this and we can we can bash out a jingle and if God forbid we ever go live like out there, <laughs> Michelle and I will be putting on a musical show. Because we've worked together many times, haven't we? Like you've been a stand-in for some of my bands, and yep. we've uh, we have done party bands where we perform for part. Like there was a whole year of birthday parties and wedding parties that we performed at. They were great fun. They were where really we dressed good up. Fun. That we did. We dressed we did up. Covers. Wigs went flying. Wigs would fly. <laughs> we'd <laughs> we'd dress up and kind of. It was almost like a lip sync, but we were singing live. Yes, and playing live too. And playing you know. live, yeah, yeah. So it was it was brilliant fun, and I do miss that actually. Mm. I I do miss the the feeling that you get from from playing, and yeah. not just the audience. It's actually the when you're creating music because both of us are songwriters yeah. as well. Yeah, the creative process for me, what I find really exciting, but also really daunting when you sit down to write a song, is you sit there. And you don't know what's going to come. You don't know if any inspiration will come. But it's this really exciting thing of creating something out of nothing. Because when you sit down an hour, two hours later, something is now in the universe that wasn't there before. I know, you I know, love you've it. You've created something. Yeah. And it's such a magical feeling. It's it's wonderful. And I yeah. really miss that because I don't Me have... Too collaborators here and obviously I don't have any instruments here because they've all gone up in flames Aww. and uh, yeah it hasn't hasn't been great musically for the last few years but I've had my head in other things. So Michelle you were a bass player as was I in the very beginning I started out as a bass player yes when I was 14 
Oh my god, that's right. Your mum bought you. My mum bought the me base. the yellow, the canary yellow base, and boiled the strings, and she put it all together with uh, all her little handy tools. Yep. And I was in the school rock band at 14 and I was in the school normal band, but I couldn't read music very fast. So I luckily I would I would just riff along with what I thought it should go like. And luckily it was things like the Sweeney theme tune. And I know how that goes. <laughs> but I'd sit down and I, I, I at 14 was into bands like U2 and In Excess and The Cure. And I can play the bass lines of every single Cure song up until probably about 1986. Every single one. Wow. See, my my entree into music was different to yours because I was spotted by my teacher like really young um, as, a, as a singer. Yeah. And they put me into the Canberra Children's Choir. Aww. So we were singing operas. We were doing all sorts of things. And then me, 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 me. I was also um, learning the trumpet. Oh. Yeah. That was, you've got me in the school classical band with a trumpet. Great. Didn't last long. Toot. Didn't, toot. Didn't last long. No. Was never very good on the recorder. Always had an interesting guitar, but never had lessons. Uh-huh. And But always wanted to sing. And then ended up in the in the uh, high school band. Yes. Called Retro. Retro. Yeah. Let's give retro. it up, ladies and gentlemen, for <laughs> year eight and retro. <laughs> That's exactly. Drop the pilot, smell my perfume. That was one that my band played, actually. (laughs) It was actually, um, everybody wants to to rule the the world. world. That's a good one. It was a good one. I love Tears for Fears, by the way. They are one of my faves. Absolutely fantastic band. And you know what? Music from that era, whether it was, I mean, you were obviously into cooler bands than me. I mean, I had every boy (laughs) joy. Although that's questionable as well. I had every Boy George single, album, picture disc, everything. I loved. I wasn't Culture Club. Although I was fascinated with them when they came out, clearly. Me too. And I loved Marilyn. I think I loved this androgynous. Are they, are they, are they not? Like, what's their sexuality? Like, it was very interesting to me. I loved Boy George. My sister will tell you my entire bedroom wall was covered with pictures of boy george mm-hmm. and she had wham so they that were they weren't for me i was still into adamant by that point oh we'd we'd been and gone past oh okay know. so then maybe that was maybe i'd moved into you too at that point then i don't know or the police abba my god I loved they abba were the shit. They were the Spice Girls of our generation. I guess they were. I used to be really lucky. I used to ring up the local radio station. They would always have these things like, call now. And you'd have to like be speedy yes. on the dial to be able to win stuff. And I used to win everything. Yeah. I won Blondie. I won ABBA Arrival. I won all these albums. You had to go pick them up outside uh, outside of Canberra to the radio station. Yeah, that's how I got a lot of my music was I won Amazing. all these albums. You could choose what you wanted. So it was um, it was great. But, you know, mum was also really into music. We always had the radio on. But it's funny how even now songs from my childhood that, you know, you would hear over and over again on the radio – I can sing them word for word. Mm-hmm. You because know, you really... listen to them as a child. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was always music on in, in my house. And actually, my my dad was a wonderful singer and my 
uncle on my Italian side. I'm not sure if he was the Eurovision entrant <gasps> for Italy. Or one attempted or attempted, but there oh, is something there. Yes, I know. He was wonderful. So I think there is a, a musical sort of history in my family. What about you? Zero. Absolute zero. Wow. So your your talent came out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And interest mm. as well. I mean, I was interested in music from a really young age, but mm. uh, my parents didn't re- they weren't really driven by music in the way that I am. And did they have music on in the house? Mm, occasionally they'd put on an LP and it would be something like James Last. Like his Oops. James Last what? is like, <laughs> He's a man who had like a his he had like a pop orchestra. So they would be playing things like I don't know, uh, Little Brown Jug or little, like or the conga on horns. Like a horn or it was Richard Claderman who was a pianist. My mum had Richard Claderman. Bert Humperdinck. Oh or who's the other guy? Neil Sedaka. He's actually all right for pop kind of thing. So that was their right. their kind of thing that they but for me no way. But they did buy me my first album, which was First of all, they bought me Leo Sayer, but that didn't go down so well. And I was really young. And then they bought me Blondie Parallel Lines. And I would sit with my tape yep. recorder and sing really, I wish I still had the tapes, sing really close to it, like all the, because like, it had the words on the inside and you'd sing along. Yes. Yes. So I'd because do in that. those days, you would get an album and all the lyrics would be on the inside Written. sleeve. Yeah. Yep. So you could and, sing along. And of course you would at the yeah. top of your voice. Yeah. But you know, looking back, Jen actually had really eclectic music taste. And, you know, she had everything from Pajama Game and all of those My Fair Lady, like all of those kind of um, classics. Doris Day, my God, she had loads of Doris Day albums. Wow. But then she had things like Donna Summer. Oh, yeah, cool. So she had a lot of disco. Um, she also had Richard Gladerman. So she, Barbara Streisand, she had Babs. Oh, that's had, good. She had loads of stuff, but she also had kind of edgy things like really cool jazz records. So mum just – and Beatles. She had loads of Beatles on cassette. I love the Beatles. Do you remember going back to your choir experience and being spotted? And do you remember we were once on tour? You were a stand it. You were standing in on bass for us. <laughs> was this in Norway? Norway. We didn't end up playing a single show, but we had a great <laughs> we got time. Drunk. And we got drunk. Shout out to shout out to Ben Rain and, to and James, James Corner. Yes, yeah, in the band, time. and wonderful also time. to all the people who helped us, like had us sleeping on their floor, and that and was Martin, wonderful Martin. Martin, yes, Martin Kvamma. He helped us out a lot, and his wife Tura. Shout out! Shout out! Shout out! You're getting a shout out. Anyway, we went to where did we go? It was called Gronlandshagen. Oh my God, how could we forget that? Gronlandshagen, which was just outside, somewhere in Oslo, outside uh, the city limits, some big yeah. old, and there was always a, like a big band. It was really cheesy. It was fantastic. And they wanted people from the audience to get up and sing. And you were so up for it. You were trying to drag me up, but I was like, no way, I'm too cool for school. So you went up and sang. Um, what did I sing? Rolling Stone, like uh, a what? Ro- rolling. I can't remember. It was something, some what? old jazz standard. Oh my god! I don't I had, have I don't have what? evidence of it. But how did it go down? Really well. You were high as a kite, just on life. <laughs> high on life. I've just, I've just what accentuated we... that with that ching ching ching. There's my <laughs> tambourine just went off. But those were the days, you know. Like I, 
honestly, I, I look back now, I actually wish you and I had been in in a band and done more of that kind of stuff yeah. because we had such fun in in Norway. And obviously, you know, I always had really good fun in, in my bands, but I was always with a boyfriend. Yeah. So it's a different dynamic, you know, because then you have the tension of a relationship. I mean, you just have to look at Fleetwood Mac, you know, and how things go down in, in, uh, yes. in a band when there's a relationship. It's, you know... It, it, it can be really difficult. For sure. Um, so actually the times when you and I were doing things were always so much fun because it's just about friends and the music. Yes. Yeah. It was yeah. always a laugh or something would always happen. It was great yeah. times. Good times. It, yeah, they were great times. And do you know what? I have to say, Geordie, considering you were a mum with, you know, responsibilities and time pressures and time constraints – you you were amazing. You you did tours. You did shows. You you know you really followed your creative passion. And well, I did, I think- but I sometimes feel to the detriment of being a mum, actually, Michelle, because I was also trying to hold down a, a day job, and that was difficult too, on very little money. So yeah. I don't know how I did it. I couldn't do it now, and I couldn't be in a band now because I like to be in bed early, <laughs> and it's late night, and you've got to do all that humping. No, I think we're just stick to being podcast. <laughs> Was it you that said somebody says it's called humping? Like you just really learnt recently that humping is ca- carrying heavy things. No, Was that wasn't you me. that told me? Somebody no. said it recently, and I said, "Yeah, humping. You hump, hump your amps. You have to lift them up and put them back in the lockup. We call it lugging. Lugging, yeah. Lugging gear. Humping or lugging, yeah. I mean, you. I remember you told me a fascinating story of how you were nearly discovered on the streets of London. Oh, Dave Stewart. Yes. Oh, yes. I that love this story. When I first moved to London, I brought my guitar or I bought a guitar from Notting Hill Music Exchange within days of landing and went busking because I had no other work. And I was living yeah, in a right. squat and my friend Joe was with me and we would go around busking. Yeah. And one day we went out amongst, I don't know why, what took us up from underground? We're usually underground when we were busking. but we're Oh, just what? Walking. In the tube? Yeah. we were, And it was illegal back then. Yeah, but there was a code and you would like have to save pictures or book pictures, but it was amongst the other buskers that you did this. And one day we were walking the streets. It was, uh, what's that street with Bar Italia on Frith Street? And at the back, the Marquee Club was still there. And at the back of the Marquee Club was the Marquee Bar, I think it was. And we walked past the the entrance and Dave Stewart was standing in the doorway having a drink. This is way back in the nineties, early ninety. And for our younger listeners, you may as well explain who Dave Stewart is. Eurythmics. Yes. He was uh, the the dee, 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 dude behind the Eurythmics. And not only was he the Eurythmics, he was also a songwriter and he's also in the process, and I didn't know this at the time, wish I did, the process of starting a record label, populating it with people that he'd found musicians from the street. So that's why he said sing us a song. And I was like, okay. But Joe had disappeared. She'd gone off to get a light from someone and they had said, they had a bar. It was Kuss Kuss House or something. They said, why don't you come and sing us a song? Like, why don't you come and work here every Thursday, Friday night, entertain the guests. We'll give you free food. We thought, yeah, that'll do. So that was an event, eventful day because. But did you sing? Did I didn't you sing, sing. No. My friend Moira was, Moira was standing next to me and she wasn't part of the group so I just thought oh fuck I can't think of anything I was like nah my friend Joe's not here then Joe walked up and said we've got to go they're going to give us a job at this couscous house and I was like we should sing a song for this guy and she said fuck it let's go oh, I don't think she realised who it was 
So we walked off and left him hanging. And then I said, come down and watch us in this bar. Yeah, yeah. We'll be singing there later. He didn't come. All night I was like, not. fuck, I hope he comes. And he didn't come. But there was a production company there who were in the process of creating a new youth TV program called The Word on Channel 4. And they employed us for as extras in the title sequence. And that was fun. And we did get paid. And we were in the title sequence and in the little idents for The Word. Do you ever look back and think, if I had sung yes. for Dave Don't. Stewart, would my life be different? It was a massive regret for me for many years, Michelle, and I've now let it go. Well, you have to because you can't yeah. change it. But, yeah, that's fate and life. I know. Do you know, talking about Adam, Adam Ant, do you know my Adam Ant story as well? Oh, God, I think I have heard this. Go. I was working in a fashion store on... Yeah. Sloan Street and one of the girls who's Chinese Australian was leaving that day and she was all up for going for a drink at lunchtime so we did and she's quite a bit younger than me so she didn't know who Adam Ant was we were sitting in that bar I think it's called the bunch of grapes have I told this before on this podcast no you've told me Next to Harvey Nichols, there's a pub called the, I think it's called the Bunch of Grapes. I'm not sure. Anyway, we were sitting with our backs to the window and this person walked past and and kind of peered in and I turned around and I thought, he looks like an aging pop or rock star. He had the look of him. He was holding all these Vivian Westwood bags and he had like a beret on, a massive heavy coat. It was the middle of August, boiling hot. And uh, dreadlock, like little rat's tails down his back and stuff. And he wandered off and I just thought, oh, that was interesting. Then he came in. And he came in and he bought two gin and tonics and stood at a table not far from us. Yeah. And it was, at those days you could smoke. He was smoking Lucky Strikes. And I thought, who is he? He looks really, really familiar. And we yeah. carried on chatting. I thought, well, it's not Adamant because don't drink, don't smoke. That, what do you do? <laughs> don't drink, don't smoke. And he was chopping away on the Lucky Strikes. Anyway, he walked, he kind of just moved his one of of his drinks and stood near us and listened to like he was listening to us there was no one else in the pub and then he said girls you Australian he was eavesdropping he said are you Australian and we said yes he said oh I love Australia Molly Meldrum I know him he's great I was like Molly Meldrum from Countdown he was like yeah which is like our version of Top of the Pops yeah and he said yeah yeah oh yeah I've taught there many times with my band and I said oh what was the band he said the ants (laughs) and I said oh like Adam and the Ants he said yep that's it and I said so you're Adam of Adam and the Ants now the girl I was with had no idea who that was so she was flying by this point (laughs) so he sat with us we had a great time chatting he said now I said oh I used to love Adam and the Ants when I was a kid I had all the pictures of you on my wall and he said well just so you know you could see me but I couldn't see you and I was like yeah I know I know but what I didn't know at the time And I was thinking, how does he know I used to talk to those pictures? (laughs) And say, when when you're 40 and I'm 20, we're going to get married. (laughs) But anyway, he didn't know that. And I didn't confess to that. But I didn't know he had a stalker who did used to do that. And it ruined his life. Yeah, that was part that partly went towards um, his mental breakdown that he eventually had. And that sent him off. He was recently out of some sort of institution, mental institution, because did you not hear what happened to him that No, year, I don't know the story. He'd, he'd been arrested and he told me about it as well. He'd been arrested outside a pub in North London. He'd gone there. I think it was his wife's current husband had been winding him up. And he went around there. I think he wanted to see his daughter. And he showed me pictures of his daughter, Lily. At the time, she was only about four years old. Hang on. His wife's current husband. Do you mean his No, his wife's... ex-wife. His ex-wife. His, her name's Lorraine. Current husband. Didn't get on with him. 
they were stopping him from seeing his daughter oh, and he went round nice. there angry with a starter mm. pistol he didn't tell me about the starter pistol but that was but in the that was in, in the, the paper <laughs> and he made a bit of a fuss and he was sectioned fucking hell yeah and he was in he was in an institution for some time and i think when i met him he wasn't long out of it do you think there yeah. is a connection between creative successful people and mental illness well because maybe taking a lot of drugs and drinking yeah the the pressures yeah, of fame maybe. i would say that's the direct link but for adam and who was such a lovely chap we had such a nice time in the pub i never wanted to go i was back to work late flying <laughs> in trouble the girl i was with didn't even come back oh my god what she stayed with adam she stayed there talking to another bloke and then adam went oh. on his way and then suddenly i was downstairs and they said oh someone's here to see you in the shop i came up and it was him He'd asked no. me for me by name. We walked around the <gasps> and he shop. he asked me your number. It, it, well, we did swap numbers, but he never called me. Adam, I still have the same bloody number. Call me. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> we walked around the shop. He bought loads, so they shouldn't complain to me because he bought loads of stuff. Bless him. Yeah. And then I, we went out. We I held him a cab and we had a chat, another cigarette. He jumped yeah. in a cab. We had He pecked me on the cheek and said goodbye. We'd had a really lovely day. Oh, that sounds wonderful. And I couldn't, I just thought, who can I tell? I told my parents. They. I said, do you remember I used to really love Adam and the Ants? And they were like, no, darling. Wasn't it Johnny Farnham you used to love? No, mum. No. No. Cliff Richard? No, mum. Adam Ant. They didn't know who he was. God. Oh, I love that story. Oh, oh it was the best wonderful. day of my life. No, it wasn't really. <laughs> it was one of the greatest days of my life. I just thought, oh, that's so cool. That yeah. is so fucking cool. Who did you have a crush on when you were a kid? I told you, Boy George. So you loved Boy George? I did love Boy George. Like, it was almost obsessive. And I... Oh, my God. Yeah, I loved him. I just thought he was amazing. And obviously, like, I've I've met him since. Have but you? I've met Yes, because I was working at Elle magazine and he came and did a DJ set for us. And did you I talk went up. To him? Yes, I went up. I mean, this was when he had, he was old and fat. So this was actually, you know, not, not so long ago. And he had that weird thing where he <laughs> would paint. Yeah, yeah, come on. Um, and he would do that weird thing where, because he had like that unfortunate Julep. affliction where you, no, even worse, where your chin suddenly goes to your neck. There's no oh. death definition right and so he was doing that weird thing where he would paint around his jawline oh. to his neck black it was all black he would paint it <laughs> like put makeup on so you there didn't... you go girls a makeup tip there you go hot makeup tip from boy george paint your neck black yeah <laughs> do you know what I, I went up to him and it was so silly because i felt a little bit nervous and i don't feel nervous around yeah. famous people because because you're so cool no, but I've been around famous people all my life, really. Like loads. I always ever since you went up to Cliff Richard in the in the uh, Hilton Hotel, you got it. You got it in one. You know, I've Siegel never. Townhouse. I've never been worried about you know meeting famous people, yeah. and I've met loads, loads of famous people in my life. But um, yeah, I went up to him and I said, "Hi, I used to love you when I was a kid," and we started chatting. And he was lovely. He was doing his DJ set and. Did you have to say when I was a kid? I think that I'd think twice about saying that because now you want to be seen as a contemporary. You don't want to be him to look at you as a kid or for him to feel like he's an old man. No, but you know what? I was just fangirling him. You know, I was. It wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't going up to him as like an employee or you know yeah. somebody associated with the magazine. It, it was literally. Oh, 
I used to love you when I was a kid and had all your posters. And I'm sure that is the standard line that every yeah, single person sure. says to him. Yeah. But yeah, I loved, I loved Boy George so much. Like I said, my sister was into Wham. And yeah, I liked Wham, but she loved them. But you know what? It's only been in recent years that I have truly understood how amazing George Michael is. Did you see that documentary? I wasn't a, yes, I did. I wasn't a fan of his back in the day. No, me either. But I do love his tunes now. Me too. And I think that I have really come to appreciate like how magical his voice is. It's warm and he's a fantastic he's a good singer. singer. Yeah. But as a songwriter too, like moving. A natural heir to the Freddie Mercury throne possibly. Oh God, and Freddie, my God, what a talent. Yeah. And I, you know, I liked Queen when I was a kid, but I think it's only, you know, same as I get older, I have new appreciation. Yeah, I loved them. Anything that got too popular, Michelle, I turned my back to it. So Radio Gaga turned my back too much, too famous, didn't like it, but now yeah. I love it. Yeah, I love, I love them all. And actually, he has a real connection with Switzerland. So down in Montreux, uh, there's a huge like brass statue of him oh. because he was there a lot. He had he recorded there. He had a house there. Mm. He was there in the last weeks before he died recording. Oh. Yeah, and th- there's a really strong connection with with Freddie Mercury and and Switzerland. But yeah, I I love him and. It's so it's so sad, you know, all this talent wasted. Yeah. I mean, I think the same about Amy Winehouse. I was actually not really a fan of Amy Winehouse at the time. Yeah. Mostly because I remember when she first started out and I was working at a magazine called Heat, which in Australia I think is the same as I don't know, one of your rags, like Who? Who Weekly, yeah. Similar kind of vibe. And I was working I was working at Heat and we had this thing, Where's Wino? Every week, oh. we had this column, Where's Wino? Oh, because Heat was quite this scathing magazine. Oh, we were The one that would circle all the dimples on people's legs and I boob hanging that. out. Yeah, I have to say, part of my job was doing things like that and writing the nasty captions on the pictures. I loved one of your captions. I cracked up the day that I saw Gordon Ramsay, a close-up of his face. It was just because he was on that night and it said, and he was holding um, two chopsticks or something and underneath it said, fuck sticks. <laughs> and that was you (laughs) it was me do you know what it's funny because when I first started at Heat they had never had an Australian on on the staff and I just brought a different mentality (laughs) to those picture (laughs) captions it was one of my most fun jobs yeah but um, they were good times because that was when I was working I was working nearby yeah 60 so we would meet up for lunch a lot and go go for drinks after work quite a lot hi Terry old Terry in (laughs) Germany now he was there too yeah but I just remember we would be so mean to poor Amy Winehouse in that magazine and, you know, it was always like, where's Wino about all the fuck-ups? You know, she was falling Meanwhile, out Meanwhile, she's cabs. having a mental breakdown. Yeah, and being completely exploited. And again, yeah. I, I love a good music documentary. I'm obsessed by them. I would say that Amy Winehouse documentary that came out was heartbreaking. Um, yeah. And gave you a real insight into the lack of support she had from her family. And also just the level of her drug addiction. I think... One of the saddest lines in that documentary was where she was saying, what are the British music awards? Don't even remember. Ivan Novello. 
No, she never won that, I don't think. But anyway, she just won – or maybe it was the NME Awards. Anyway, she cleaned up. She'd, she'd yeah. won everything. No, my God, she won a Grammy. Oh, God. She won a fucking Grammy. and okay. And she was – she was there and um, and afterwards she said to her friend, because she was, she was sober at this point, because she wasn't allowed to go to America because oh. of her drug convictions. And she said to her friend, this is, the, this is the career highlight of my life and it just feels like nothing. Drug, without drugs, this feels like nothing. And I just thought, how fucking sad, you know, that... So she wasn't happy her, unless she was on drugs? Well... Nothing compared, to, like this to was being on this drugs. was this oh, was I a see. flat this was a flat moment compared to mm. the high of being on drugs. Oh God! I mean, I wish I could. The way she said it was so succinct because she's funny as fuck in that documentary, yeah. you know. But yeah, it just I just thought that's a real insight into somebody who is so lost. It mm. was it was really sad, but you know, also other good other good music documentaries. The Metallica one. I haven't seen My it. My God, it's brilliant. You've got I to watch to it. Some kind of monster it's called, isn't it? Yeah, I must yes. look that up. And I mean, God, we should actually write a little list and put it on in the show notes yeah. of our favourite music documentaries because they really are one of my favourite things to watch. If I'm at a loose end, I will Me too. I'll watch a music doc. Doc-o. I love the Fleetwood Mac one. Yeah, wonderful. I love Fleetwood Mac. Me too. Eavesdropping. Uh, eavesdrop, eavesdrop. Wow, wow, wow. Eavesdrop, eavesdrop, eavesdrop. Eavesdrop, eavesdrop. Eavesdrop, eavesdrop. Eavesdrop, eavesdrop. I had a little li- a list of bands that I loved from the very beginning. The ones that I would say shaped or formed my musical taste today. Okay. And it went from ABBA to Parallel Lines Blondie. Yeah. That particular album. Kiss was next. Oh. Do, 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 do. No? Yes, of course. I was made for loving you, baby. That's but- it. Sure Know Something was always my favourite. Sure Know Something, I sure know. That yeah. was a good one. I forgot that one. It was a beautiful song. Really yeah. fantastic song. They were, I mean, they were ugly as fuck. Thank God they had that makeup well, on. I was in love with Ace Freely. And we all were. I had his, I had his um, solo album as well. And I bought The Doll, which came out <laughs> in God knows when. It's vintage now. I think I sold it on eBay for quite a bit of money. Well done. But it had a broken leg. And I... Luckily, it didn't happen, but I wanted the doll so I could pick the makeup off so I could see what he looked like. Yeah. <laughs> Underneath. Oh, God. I still don't know what he looks like. Really? No. Yeah, they, they hide that, thank God. One time I was in Oslo, a different time when I was working. I was in a hotel, mm-hmm. quite a fancy hotel, and yeah. I was there the same day as Kiss, but I just missed. They said, oh, you've just missed Kiss. They've just been here for breakfast. I was like, what? No! Crying your eyes out. Jesus then it was Christ. Adamant, the police around the same oh, time. God, and the I was in love with probably all three of them have shaped. I think people have said to me that I keep going out with boys or men who look like members of the police, mostly Stuart Copeland. Well, so does your son, to be honest. So I'm surrounded by, I'm basically living. Which one am I then? I'll be Andy Summers, the other two. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a fantastic guitarist. I I mean I loved I loved the police. I had I had their albums. Every little thing she does is magic was always such a, a special song for me. Why? I loved it. I just thought like melodically it really yes. connects Eeyo. to me. Yeah, it's Eeyo. beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. It. God, I love oh, police. 
everything you know, about of, the police mm, is wonderful. I still love them to this day with the same strength of, of feeling. Me too. And then one day I went on a holiday to my grandma's house in the middle of Australia, like in the food bowl of Australia, Griffith. And we the only shop in that town was Woolworth's. And what was the other side of Woolworths where they had, you could buy cassette tapes. and Yeah, they always had all the, the record racks. Yeah. yeah. I went there one day with some pocket money and I bought a little cassette tape of The Cure, Japanese Dream. It was an EP because I'd heard the song Let's Go to Bed and I quite liked that. So mm-hmm. I bought that. I was quite young. I think it was 1983 or something. I must have been. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know what how old. I was young. And took it home and loved it. It changed my life. We've also forgotten an artist that both of us from a very young age were obsessed with. Kate Bush? Yes. Well, yeah, she's in, she comes in around that time. Yeah. But to be honest, The Cure were first. Really? Yes. And then I think around that time I had bought one of her albums, The Dreaming, and loved it. And then I'd go back to all the the previous songs. And then I started getting really into Kate. And she's been an enduring love for me. But The Cure were the ones that changed my my life because I changed my looks. I dyed my hair. You got all gothy. Yeah. And I was in love with the bass player from The Cure, Simon Gallup. I loved him. The wonderful bands that we loved when we were kids. There were so many. But they might be all Aussie ones that no one's heard of, like Pseudo Echo and Kids in the Kitchen. Uncanny (laughs) X-Men, you know, all of that. That where will we be in fifty years? All Everybody wants to work. No, no, not me. But do you know what? I actually have great respect for Men at Work. They had a couple of fantastic oh, songs. That guy, Colin, what's his name? He's incredible. Really? Like I think he's an amazing songwriter and vocalist. Yes. Yeah, really. What's that one? Um Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, day after day. Anyway, whatever. What's that song? Write in. Yes, write in. Al Taggart will let us know. He will. But that was actually probably, again, because of how beautifully melodic it is, that was one of my favourite Men at Work songs. You know, Mm -hmm. it it was just beautiful. But um, And Who Can It Be Now was also one of mine. Down Under... Not so much. No. Because it, it was a jokey, pastiche kind of song. Yeah, it was a pastiche. It broke them. I mean, that's the song you've got to write if you want to break America, though, and that's what they did. Yeah. I mean, he will be still living off those royalties. He's probably living in the States. Yeah, maybe. Writing music for other people. Yeah. But it was, I mean, yeah, you know, there are so many incredible Aussie bands, but also the international bands, because like you said previously, we were so lucky to have Countdown. It was a TV show that you would not miss. No. Every Friday Sunday night. night. What? Sunday. Sunday, sorry. <laughs> top, top of the Pops was Friday. Sorry. Right. when I, mo- I moved here when I was quite young. So, so yes, Top of the Pops was Friday. Countdown ev- was Sunday. Every Sunday night. And that, was, that would be the only thing you would talk about on Monday was, did you see Countdown? Yeah. yeah. And then there was Countdown Magazine, the best thing that ever happened. Oh, we never, God, we I never that. got that. Yeah. I think you know it depended who was on the on the cover. Cover, yeah. You know because mum, Nick Kershaw, mum, Jen didn't have a lot of money. God, I loved Nick Kershaw. Wouldn't it be good? That's such a great. That's an enduring tune. That one. Yeah, and do you it know, makes but, me want to get up and dance every time. Yep, yeah, and or Thompson sing along. Twins around that time Hate as them. well. No, I liked I liked them at the time. Oh, 
Look at your face. I wish, again, I wish people could see Jordy's face. <laughs> Around that time, I also quite liked Sade and Paul Young, believe it or not. Yeah, but they were the big hits. Yeah. But you know what? David Bowie, Patti Smith, they were all coming into play at that time. Kate Bush. Yeah, they were. I had older cousins. They were the ones that influenced my musical taste. Okay. They were about eight, eight to ten years older than me. And Roger and Helen, shout out. I don't know. Shout if out. Helen's records were more like Fleetwood Mac, Rolling Stones, uh, Stevie Nicks. Yep. Kate, bit of Kate Bush in there as well. Roger was more Alice Cooper, not my style. And Cheap Trick, which I did love. Yeah. See, Jen had all of that. Unfortunately, my older sister was only four years older and she had very bad musical taste. So I didn't really get any influence from her at all. However, <laughs> I, I did mention previously, she did like cold chisel and at the time I was like fucking bogan bullshit band but actually Jimmy Barnes when you go back and listen to the lyrics of flame trees or I love that song my god what a songwriter but Jimmy Barnes can I just say while I was that year that I met Adam Ant yeah Jimmy Barnes was in the the same shop all grey-haired and twinkly-eyed. Now, I hadn't been in Australia for some time, so I didn't know that it was him. But right. I looked twice and I was like, fuck me, that's Jimmy Barnes. And he was like, how you doing? Do you know what? It was so weird because when he was younger, I mean, I never, I, because it, I never had cold chisel on my radar, I didn't even think about it. But looking back, he was fucking handsome was when he? he was younger. Yes. Oh, I've got an aunt that absolutely adores him. Absolutely obsessed. She made it awkward. She made, made it awkward. awkward. She How made did I make awkward. it awkward? Awkward, awkward. She dare you. Awkward, awkward. How are you? Awkward, awkward. How about it? Awkward. Well, this is awkward. How about it? Awkward. Awkward. Bloody hell. Fuck you. You wanted to talk about bands that are songs that you'd have for breakups. So you kept talking about torch songs. Yes. What's I a torch did. song, Michelle? Explain oh, me. Explain God. to me what a torch song is. Well, do you know what? Torch songs are probably they are the most pathetic and miserable kind of breakup song there is because I would say pretty much without exception it torch songs are about how you'll do whatever it takes to get someone back even though they fucked you over, they broke your heart, they Okay. Fucked your best friend. They won't right. return your texts. And the reason why I think Torch songs are one of the songs that you that people gravitate towards when they're in like the lowest, most shitty part of heartbreak is because it really speaks to the most desperate part of yourself. Um, because when you hear them, you just you know that you should feel better. You you shouldn't want to take them back but you know that if they called you you would take them back in a heartbeat and this is what torch songs are all about and for me I feel like the ultimate torch song is you don't have to say you love me by Dusty Springfield Dusty yeah okay I, I actually have some lyrics here uh yeah so I have some lyrics from the chorus it's basically you don't have to say you love me just be close at hand no you have to sing it Michelle Oh my you god! You don't have to say it. Go on. Oh, but I have to sing it in her key. Hang on. Um, just you do it in your don't key. have to say you love me. Just be close at hand. 
You don't have to stay forever. I will understand. Beautiful. Believe me. Anyway, she goes on here like she goes I, much higher there. She does. She? Believe. But she's like, I can't help but love you. I'll never tie you down. Um, but you just you don't, and you don't even have to say you love me. You just have to, you know, be near me. And and all of this stuff is like just pathetic. But when but when you are in the middle of heartache, all you want it speaks is to you. that. And look, I remember when I was going through a really bad breakup. You know, it was music that got me through it. And and yes. look, I feel it lucky. Does, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I feel lucky because I mean, it's been at least five years since I felt that shitty low feeling that you think oh, you'll babes. never recover of. And of course yeah. you all you know, you have like different levels. Like Yeah. I had one particular breakup which fucked me up for years but mm. you know then you get heartbroken little mini heartbreaks but whatever it is yeah. music always gets you through but you do and you know I think uh, there are different like there are different elements of heartbreak and you need different songs different types of songs to get you through so like I said when you're feeling absolutely fucking pathetic and you'll you don't want them back but you really would take them back and they wouldn't even have to beg you to take them back that's when you need a torch song Right. In that case, I now know what a torch song is because I don't think I quite got the under, uh, got the measure of it before. Okay. And I think there's a great song by the Cardigans, "Love Fool," and I love that song for many reasons. Okay. Because number one, it was in my favorite film at that time, Romeo and Juliet. Which, mm-hmm. if you know, you ever want to understand that feeling of heartsick love, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet is the film for you because. I know Romeo and Juliet by Shakespeare is a really old play and everyone's seen different versions of it, but it's Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes' portrayal of Romeo and Juliet and the way that it's all mixed in with this modern music and and great costume and fabulous, like almost like a pop video style cinematography. Yeah. That really, it spoke to me. Wow. I fucking loved it. But that song, love me, love me, yeah, say yeah. that you love me. Well, I like that song. And I also love that song because when I was in my band Max Tractor and we were doing a lot of touring and playing live most nights, the guitarist reared, shut out. <laughs> we used to be able to smoke. We were smokers. We used to be able to smoke in venues then. And I would always, we started this thing around that time where I would always go up to him with my ciggy and say, Light me, light me. And he'd say, <laughs> say that you'll like me. Like oh, that. my God. <laughs> and it ended up going, it carried on for years and years till we got to the point where Reed would be going, say that you'll like me. Say that you'll like me. It was just a funny thing that carried on for years. But that's my Torch Song recommendation. Oh, that's brilliant. And well, Carol King. Yeah, of course. Um it's too late, baby. It's too late, baby. Although that's that's kind of her saying "fuck you," so that's not really a torch song because she's a bit more in, empowered. But you know what? That's the whole point of breakup songs: is that there is a breakup song for every fucking stage of of how you're feeling. And yeah, and look, what I I guess why I you know I'm always drawn to the breakup song when I'm feeling shit and like heartbroken is because you know when you're in that state, nothing makes sense and everything is upside down you know and you know if you've broken up with someone you've probably broken up with them for a good reason like he's a dickhead 
he's not nice to you, he cheated on you. In my case, maybe he was a bit too young. Uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but that's another of your tunes, isn't it? Young boys are my weakness. Yeah, we said that a few too many times. But um, you know, look, on some level, whenever you break up with someone, you know it's for the best. Um, and you know that it's clearing the path until the right one comes along. But it still fucking hurts. And yeah, you know, although you don't want to hear them. You know, you don't want them to call you. You really fucking want them to call you. Yeah. And you I know. don't have any of those songs in my in my I think the only one that I think would be a little bit torchy would be um Can We Still Be Friends? Can we still be friends? Todd but, Rundgren. Yeah, I love that song. But my point is, you know, the torch song really you there's only probably about two or three days in your in your heartbreak where you are that pathetic that you want a yeah. torch song. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, the, I, in my it's experience. Only a couple of days. In my experience. But, you know, I also feel like there is there is so many stages and because there are po- there are points where you want to put yourself through torture. You know, they, and you listen to songs not because you want to feel Love better. Don't live here anymore. Exactly. Yes, you listen to all that stuff yeah. not for fun, but for the pain of it. Cuz yeah. you want to you want the pain, you know. You don't want to feel better. You want to wallow. And, you know, like there are times when you're angry and you want to feel like, fuck you, I'm over it. And then you listen to like Alanis Morissette or something. Like, you uh. want it now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there are also times where you just want to get into the fucking wallowing mire of like yeah. self-pity. and. So what's your what are those songs for you? Well, for me, there is one that I listen to a lot and it was called I Don't Wanna Get Over You by the Magnetic Fields. I've never heard of it or them. Oh god, this one. So it's a guy called Stephen Merritt and actually he was sing it. I know that name. Yeah, maybe you know that name. He was on Jules Holland. And other things? No, his his main thing is the magnetic fields. And he obviously was going through massive trauma after a breakup because he wrote this album called 69 Love Songs. And some of them are only a minute long. Why is it going to be 69? Well, what do you think? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but the one that I think speaks to most people is this one. It's, it's, I, it's called I Don't Want to Get Over You. And he sings it in a really low voice. And when he was on Jules Holland, he... Uh, he did this. Burst into tears. <laughs> no. And actually, I'd never seen what he looked like and I thought, oh, he's not handsome. And he did this weird thing where he had a cigarette. He was playing it on the piano and he had a cigarette between his um, index finger. and it, like, Think of all the ash going between the keys. I bet Jules was beside himself. Yeah, but he was playing it with the cigarette coming up between like – you know when you do twos up, it was between yeah. those fingers. And so he yeah. was playing the piano. I don't know how he played the piano and still managed to have that cigarette. But it was gross. And I thought, oh, that's kind of a revolting habit. I wouldn't go out with you. <laughs> but anyway, I love your song. And uh, and so anyway, it the lyrics are and, – and this is the thing. When, when you read lyrics out, they're so flat on the page. Yeah. You know, they you you read them out and you feel like there's no magic in that. But then when someone sings it, uh-huh. and this is with any song, there's so much in the way people sing it and the music and the arrangement. And so anyway, um, yeah, it, it, that particular song just got me 
through a lot. I'll put the lyrics and and a link to the song in in the okay. show notes. But another killer heartbreak song for me was "Nothing Compares to You." Yes, I was going to say Sinead O'Connor when I said about the tears rolling down the face because that reminded me of that video where she's burst into tears. Well, look, and I I don't always want to hark back to old relationships, but this song fucking destroyed me because I had just gone to London to see and I'd been staying with you I'd seen you Blake was with me he's an ex-boyfriend my first real boyfriend and um, I was going off to jet you know like I say jet around Europe that's absolute bullshit I was on a fucking U-rail and uh, (laughs) which I was forging to try and get more trips out of it but anyway So I was on, I was at Victoria Station and he was going back to Australia to, to finish like his last year of university. And we were at Victoria Station. And in fact, I think Sandra was with me as did well. You, did you hold his ha- face in your hands and say, oh, you great hunk of spunk. Nothing compares to you. How did you know? Were you there? <laughs> <laughs> no. Do you know what it was? It was so random because we'd gone into some shit pub in Victoria Station. Well, and, and then there's Sandra on the side just watching the whole thing unravel, the heartbreak. I can't even remember if Sandra was there, but Sandra and I did bond over being away from our long-term oh, partners. It was yeah. it was heartbreaking at that time. But we were – so Blake and I were at Victoria Station and, like I said, probably drinking Snake Bite or some bullshit. And, um, and it was time for me to get on my bus. And – I actually think either it came on the jukebox or maybe he went over and put the money in and selected it. I don't know. (laughs) But nothing compares to you came on. And we both were (laughs) sobbing, just sobbing. And I'm not even joking. I I just love the fact that he put the the tune on and then sauntered up to you. (laughs) Had to get a hanky out halfway through just to dab his eyes. Okay, look, maybe it came on. I don't know. (laughs) But, surely. Nothing compares to your. Well, because I think we had had been singing this song. And the thing is, I used to call him Bubba. And there's a song, there's a line in the song which is like, All the flowers that you sent me, mama. Yes, but I always used to say, You change it no, to I think Bubba. It was planted, yeah. Like, All the flowers that you planted, Bubba. And so okay. it was like yep. a you little thing. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, but oh. I just remember I sobbed, like to the point where my whole body, ah, heaving. heaving. Were you sitting on the, on the bus, heaving sobs? No, we, sobs. Were, we were outside the bus station, like putting oh. my, my luggage underneath <laughs> into the, into the belly of the bus. And, and Alan, the bus driver was like, Jesus, pull your, pull your socks up, mate, get <laughs> over it. No, well, this is in London. So it'd be some oh, okay. Cockney, East, East London. <laughs> don't. And, right, might never happen. Might never happen. And we, I just remember I was Fuck, my whole body was shaking. I've never before or since <laughs> cried like that. And I turned around and he was doing the same. And I just have this visual of... <laughs> Big red face. I was there like looking out the window <laughs> at him. Hands up against the glass. Yeah. And we were just both sobbing our I eyes out. I love the out. fact that, that maybe Sa- Sandra was standing there as well, arms folded going, God, come on, for God's sake. <laughs> quite possible (laughs) but it was just really 
I mean, we weren't even breaking up. I'm sorry for laughing we at that. We weren't even breaking up. You know, we it was just that I was going off to travel around Europe and he was going back to Australia. We were being separated. Oh my God, it's awful to be. But it, that, again, I'm, I'm going to say, just go back and watch Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet and you'll know exactly how it feels. Do you know love. what? Love. I will. And, and actually, at that time, um, Claire Danes was going out with, with a, a, a friend of yours. Old, yeah, yeah, Ben Lee. But anyway, yeah, that was that was a terrible breakup song. But I <sighs> always remember, actually, Blake would say one of the the worst breakup songs of all time, "Winner Takes It All." The winner takes it all. Yeah, she almost looks like she's crying in that one as well, like Nita. That video, my in God, that yeah. is a heartbreaker. I don't want to talk. But you know what? And this, I just want to give a shout out to a really fantastic artist called Kim Ritchie, who, uh, when I was going through a, a more recent heartbreak, <clears throat> it was her songs that whenever I just wanted to cry and, and feel like so mm. fucking broken, they were the songs. In particular, a song called Word to the Wise and another one called The Absence of Your Company. And Ooh. She's an incredible songwriter. And an incredible singer. I mean, she oh. she's one... Well, her song won a Grammy. She wrote, Did she? yeah, she wrote a, a song called "Believe Me, Baby, I Lied" for Trisha Yearwood, and okay, yeah, really, really brilliant. And I mean, she is one of the most underrated country singers of all time. But she is and a lovely, lovely lady. She really is. She's spectacular. Shout out Kim. She, I don't know if she listens, but she's definitely following us on Instagram. Shout out actually to Jez, who was the songwriter in my old band, Farah. And I remember a friend of mine, he had just gone through a breakup. And I remember him texting me one day saying, it's by listening to As Soon As I Get Over You. And what was the name of the album where Killian was modelling on the front cover? Was that called Me Too? Uh, yes, maybe it was Me the Me Too. Too. It was the, maybe the Me Too album. My God, <gasps> fucking hell, I hadn't even connected Weinstein. that. The Me Too movement. <laughs> fucking hell. Anyway, <laughs> even when you were saying it, I didn't get it. I can see it. The penny was not dropping. The penny did not drop. Fuck. Yeah, heartbreak songs for me. Heartbreak. And of course, the ultimate heartbreak song. Yeah. Against all odds. Phil Collins! How can you just walk away from me? I don't like that one. No, but come on. It's it's classic. It's a classic. Do you know what? I'm going to say one great love song. Okay. You know when I got married the last time, the, the most recent <laughs> time, I made a, a playlist. So there was one song, which is very long, Kate Bush on her 50 Words for Snow album. Mm. It's called Snowed In at Wheeler Street. It is the most amazing song. Even old Elton John makes an appearance on it because they're singing together. Wow. And it's about a love story, a love of two people that have transcended eons. So they oh. they met they met in a certain era. They loved each other then. Then again in, in the war, she hid him under her bed, but they found him and took him away. Then again on the steps of um, somewhere or other. I mean, I don't know all the words. And it's just amazing. I love it. Oh, we'll have to put a link to that in the show notes yeah. too. Oh, do you know what? Anyone who's listening, please like tell us your favourite songs that have got tell you through heartbreak or inspires you, love. We yeah. might have to do another music episode because I just feel... There's so much to talk so about. So much music. to talk about and we've got to go. 
We do. Time to go. Hit us up on all the socials. Uh, email hello at eavesdroppingpodcast.com. Don't look at the latest. Um, don't follow the link on my latest <laughs> Instagram post because I my finger slipped. <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear your stories. And until then. You know what, people? Just keep eavesdropping. 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 Eaves